1: Well met, fellow adventurers. So in the last episode we restored the line of the stewards of Bale. Stewards of Fogbor. And now they've gone back and now they by now they should have made their way to Balewood Castle to Well, honestly do a, do a lot of stuff. Most of which I don't understand. Because it's steward business. But presumably, fighting against the sorceress in the wood will be part of it. And uh, looking out for any other mist waifs. You know, get them before they can get too big. And, you know, ruin everything again. And other things. Explore returns to a previously discovered location. It is now just with re- the fog shrouded castle has been renamed as Castle Balewood because that's what it's called and that's what it is. Standing atop a small mound that rises out of the thick fog swelling across the forest floor, you stare to the west your eyes fixed on the imposing woodland fortress, Castle Bale Ward. The four enchanted beacons burn brightly in the topmost chambers of the castle's corner towers, stepping through the unnatural gloom of the cursed wood. Well, let's just pop round for a chat then. A broad path has recently been cut through the tan- dense tangle of bramble and foliage surrounding the imposing woodland fortress. Whoa! Woo! Already, already making progress. You track nearly fifty yards apart along the path when suddenly your expert eyes catch sight of something moving through the dense foliage to the left of the path. With your eyes fixed on the forest, you halt and instinctively draw yourself into a defensive stance. Despite your wary posture, your heart skips a beast as two otters suddenly burst from the undergrowth and step swiftly onto the path before you. As you prepare to engage the two wood and iron beanings, movements from the woods on the right of the path draws your gaze in that direction there, moving through the trees and stepping silently onto the path before, both before and behind you are twelve more of the deadly, magical minions of Korotel. Surrounded on the path by 14 Otoark, you come to the swift and dreadful realisation that flight is not possible. Determined to survive this ambush, you quickly reposition yourself, so you only face one of the wood and iron beings at a time. I'm... Guessing they put, they put, you know, little chicanes or something, in this road, for precisely this purpose. <laughs> Every now and again, the road just narrows, so that you can, so that you can have a place where you can, uh, where you can't be surrounded by a truck. Of course, if they ever have to bring anything big through, they could just magic those away. I'm making it up. That's what I'm saying. Alright, time to fight them. The first of the dozen Otoroks silently steps forward and attacks. Otorok, one of fourteen. The Otorok swipes at you with its iron-tipped wooden limbs, and it has adapted its contact combat tactics to match yours which means it has become scaled this time to 11 plus the otorok strikes you with a staggering blow you've been stunned and will now be able to act during the next round of combat and I also take five damage all right i'm going to fight it normally now all right all right that's pretty much all you or you have to see, you fight them, they can sometimes stagger you, staggering blow, bellow, blow, but my body and spirit help you avoid being stunned. And they are slain. Alright, just going to heal myself a bit between fights. You fall back from the sm- back from the smashed remains of the otok and prepare to engage the next of your foes. You step forward and boldly engage the next dog Otoruk does quick combat these now nine XP. You fall back from the smash remains the Otruck and prepare to engage the next of your foes suddenly. Leave a few for me The voice from behind startles you, and you whip your whip your head around just in time to see a chain clad, sword wielding woman bounding up the path from the direction of the castle. A slight woman, her dark hair flecked with grey rushes past you and boldly engages the first otorok she encountered, cutting down the silent being, being with a series of brutal, well-executed strokes. I said a few! Not all of them! shouts the woman. As she leaps to the right and engages another otorok. All right, looks like we're going half-seas on the rest of them. You step forward and boldly engage the next Otorok. This is 4 or 14. It's adapted its combat tactics to 11+. plus. It's going to spam normal attacks. That's pretty much all you can do. It is slain. Another 9 XP. You fall back from the smashed remains of the Otorok and prepare to engage the next of your foes. You glance to your left and spot your unknown, unknown ally standing above the shattered remains of yet another Otorok. Hmm. I'm going to guess that this is the mercenaries that... Well, are they really mercenaries now? I think they're, they're, they're leaning more and more to just being regular soldiers... Anyway, they're the people that have thrown in their lot with with Jelania Balewood. And, you know, they've been protecting her since she was in Migspool. And they, they managed to get her all the way in, get her through the wood unharmed, into Castle Balewood, which I restored, and have been setting things up. Do, doing all the stabby things that you need to do when you're setting up a castle. And that's a lot of stabby things. Because, I mean, there may, there's probably some things remaining in the far corners of the castle I didn't quite sweep out. Because I was kind of focused on the mist wave. I mean, if there were a few bats, bats in the lower storage, rats and Bats in the high towers and rats in the storage rooms. Well, well, I'm sure they can. I'm sure that that's that they'll they'll have handled those. You know, hope to clear the path. You know, just generally smash enough of the local the local inhabitants that they don't try anything. All sorts of things. You glance to your left and spot your unowned allies standing above the shattered remains of yet another Otorok. You step forward and boldly engage the next Otorok. Quick combat hit. 9 XP. You fall back from the smashed remains of the Otorok and prepare to engage the next of your foes. You glance to your left and spot un- spot your unowned allies standing above the shattered remains of yet another Otorok. Otorok 8 of 14. Quick combat. It is slain. 9xp. You fall back from the smashed remains of the Otorok and the next to your foes. You glance to your right and spot your unknown ally standing above the shattered remains of yet another Otorok. You step forward and boldly engage the next Otorok. 10 of 14. Quick combat. 6xp. Hmm. I guess it adapt. It didn't have time to adapt that time. You fall back from the smashed remains of the Otorok and prepare to engage the next of your foes. You glance at your right and spot your unknown ally standing above the shattered remains of yet another O-Truck. You step forward and boldly engage the next O-truck. 12 of 14, now, this will be my penultimate one, I think. Quick combat. I'm nearly out of health, so I'm going to heal myself this time. 9xp, bash of healing. You fall back from the smashed remains of the Otorok, prepare to engage the next of your foes. You glance at your right and spot your unknown, al- unknown allies standing above the shattered remains of yet another Otorok. You move ahead and boldly engage the last Otorok. Quick combat. It is slain. Another 9 XP. You fall back from the smashed remains of the Otorok and wipe away the sweat and grime streaking down your brow. Took 1,024 experience to general. More of that. Very nice. The last of the O-Truck is now little more than a heap of splintered wood and twisted iron on the ground before you. After pausing to to catch your breath, you turn to face a talented swordswoman who valiantly came to your aid. She pulls her sword from the remains of the O-Truck at her feet and looks in your direction. Woman standing The woman standing at the edge of the for- forest, her long, dark, grey flecked hair tied back at her shoulders, adjusts the chain shirt that covers her slight form as she carefully examines the blade of her sword. You turn away from her for a moment as your eyes scour the nearby woods for any sign of Otrook that may yet be lingering in the vicinity. Thankful to find no indication in it. That any, any remain, you turn you again turn to a drawn known alley. Ally, like only to find her a way making her way over to you. Such a pleasant spot for a castle, wouldn't you agree? she says frowning. I haven't been here long by most measures, or well, I'm not afraid to say I've grown just a bit wary of those walking sticks. The woman extends her hand and meets you in a shoulder cross. I'm Azela, commander of the castle watch, she says, turned to gaze, gaze at the imposing fortress that rises out of the churning sea of misters, swallows the end of the path. You needn't worry about introducing yourself, Sir Crokington. Your name is frequently heard in the castle these days, It most commonly escapes the lips of the steward herself. Azalea was about to say something else, when the sound of approaching footfalls from the direction of the castle reaches you. Almost in unison, the two of you turn and gaze warily into the fog, eager to determine the source of the unsettling noise. Only a few moments later, however, four chain-armoured men appear out the swirling mists that envelop the path. The foremost of the men holds up his white hand to Azalea, a sign of respect. He sturdy admonishes the four men for their late arrival, and promptly sends them back to the castle. Each man bows respectfully before turning and striding off along the path that that leads up to the woodland fortress. They're good men, for the most part, she says, turning back to you. But they'd have been a bit more useful a few minutes ago. They're certainly not the sort of men I'm accustomed to working with. The men I know wouldn't willingly show much respect for they wouldn't have missed the fight either. All right. So these men aren't aren't part of her aren't part of her mercenary group. Don't know where they've gone. Presumably they've just continued to do regular mercenary work. You know, it's Probably a lot less dangerous than hanging around in Fogborough, and pays better. And, yeah. Yeah. Yes, well, that, that's enough, really. Hmm. Well, I don't, I assume that's happened. A previous excerpt from Air to the Flame. Late afternoon, four days ago on an alley north and west of Trithick, known as Scamper Alley. Azalea released her tight grip on her left arm, and stared down at the seeping gash that crossed her limb just above the elbow. She winced, and again clamped her hand over the wound. The mark was the result of a split second of indecision, a moment where the companion's scream had driven a lifetime of instinct, and two decades' worth of battlefield experience for her mind. She sincerely hoped it wasn't a sign she was losing her edge. Turning her gaze northward, she stared along the wide, well travelled forest road. At the edge of the lane, fifty yards distant, sat the first wagon. In front of it, next to the team of four that had drawn its bolts in smooksball, stood the three men with whom she willingly shared this venture. Her cohorts, men she had long considered her brothers, had escaped the ambush with barely a scratch, a fact that was certain to inspire an unwelcome bout of teasing. Her eyes darted to the e- left of the wagon, where tall grasses grew up at the edge of the road, there, severely battered, and seated in the midst of the thick undergrowth, the five Hiram had been taken alive. Despite the enemy's unwillingness to show neither she nor her companions any quarter, Isela deeply regretted that three of them had been killed. These bandits were desperate men, ill-equipped to engage trained fighters, men who may likely have had wives and children dependent upon their perilous enterprise and its ill-gotten gain. As Ayla looked south, only a few paces from where she sat, stood a working coach, ignoring the dull ache. Ignoring the dull ache that ran through her upper shoulder and st- through up her upper arm and stabbed into her shoulder, she rose and made her way up to the side hatch. She pulled open the door and peered into the compartment's shadowy interior. The thin, stern face of an elderly man and the full, strikingly beautiful, wide-eyed countenance of a young woman stared back at her out of the gloom. It's over, she says. I dare say you're now glad we didn't choose to haggle over the fee. Which makes me wonder, is this just a random bandit attack? Or was it sort of arranged? They They just, you know, just put it out among the right channels that... If you're here at this time there will be some people you can rob, they will be defenseless. And maybe hmm, if you gather certain things a reward will end up in your path. Maybe, maybe. I mean I wouldn't put it past them. But of course this is these are the roads well Trithic and Highwaymen. Do just happen, so it could just be a coincidence. Thought well, we've we've encountered a lot of highwaymen in our travels, so well, it could be either way, either way. In a previous excerpt from *The Air to the Flame*. The elderly man, his lips pursed, as his expression slowly contorted into a frightening scowl, turned and whispered something to the young woman at his side. She looked at her companion but said nothing in response. Nothing his could hear. She then she then turned away. The old man returned his icy stare to his alien and spoke. If that's all quite through, we must now make haste, he said, motioning impatiently, patiently with his hand. Of an importance of some importance that I would like to keep, and the lady wishes to be in intrithic before dust. I trust we will not be lost in the dark ere we reach the gate. As Ayla looked at the young woman, her pleasant face and quiet manner seemed in stark contrast to the dour face and harsh tongue of her with the companion. She wondered what had elevated this plainly clad woman to such a station that she only spoke through the wretched man, whose piercing gaze still stabbed out of the wagon's shadowy interior. The swordsman prized herself on her ability to wee people at LaGrange, Sensed at once it was extreme judicious tact that held the young lady's tongues, but it was against all her instincts to believe there was nothing more. Behind the silent woman's dark eyes, tucked away beneath the lingering trace of a faint but discernible smile, was something else. The entity remained undefined, yet his undeniable presence spoke equally of joyous wonder and profound unnamed terror. The outcome of her attempt to weed the unscrutable faces, an unclear motive of the two travellers who had hired her crew mix, Mixborough hardly mattered, because Elia already knew who they were. She alone had been told that much, and despite her rigid detachment of the shadowy affair, dictated by an invisible and unknown paymaster. It pained her that she was likely leading them to their deaths. Right. Hmm, so it... Wasn't Orlenia himself who hired them? Hmm. Well, hmm. Well, admittedly, admittedly, there's many people who could benefit from having the Bailwood line restored. Hmm. I mean. Hmm. Oh, well, maybe it will be revealed in future episodes. She nodded at the odd pair and turned away from her coach, without haste, and unable to shake her mind from behind the court- haunting image of the young woman's dark eyes. She turned and made her way back along the road to where her three brothers-in-arms stood waiting. Our queen and her keeper are anxious to be on the move again, she says, then turning and glancing at the five battered highwaymen, and speaking loudly enough to produce the desired effect upon Amongst the brigands, she posed a question directed at no one. What are we going to do with that lot? If they're to let go, we'll take their weapons. But I'll just as soon take their heads. As Ayla tells you, you've been expected at the castle for quite some time, and the steward of Bow ba- Fogba, Talinia has. W- Talinia has. Something like that, anyway, has routinely expressed a profound interest in meeting you. Without further delay, you follow Azalea along the path towards the looming castle. As you pass over the thick timbers of an ancient drawbridge that spans the castle's moat, you well recall your last crossing, at the onset of the mission to clear the fortress till Aeneas returns. I'm certain you would have been summoned before now, says Azalea, as the two of you. Port to allow the portcullis to be raised but i think our lady wished her port to be in, wished her court to be in some order before she was hosted such a revered guest oh there's there's a link for her now tiana bayward tiana baywood is the youngest of the Baywood line a line of powerful mages who have long served as steward stewards of the cursed forest of Fobre. For not quite twenty years old, Chilanda displays the grand mastery of magic for which her ancestral line is legendary. Ugh. Before coasting such a revered guest, come right this way, Sir Coquintin. I think you'll be surprised by what you see. Azalea's estimation proves true. The transformation has taken place within the walls of Castle Balewood. It's nothing short of a staggering. As you move through the grand galleries and statue-lined halls of the Woodlands Fortress, you're immediately struck by the absence of the mist from the forest outside. On your previous visits to the castle, the fog from the cursed wood crept along the corridors and filled chambers both large and small. Large numbers of men and women bustle about. Hmm. Amazing how they got them so fast. Honestly, I thought it would take them ages to... To, you know, find people. But they did it quickly. I guess there was... I guess that the... The everyone else in... A lot of the other people in the castle, it's an inherited thing as well. And they just found the descendants of the people who used to be there, maybe something like that. Or maybe they asked, maybe they asked Thane, Thane Pollen, to borrow some men. I mean, that would probably be the quickest way to get some people. Yeah, maybe that. Bent on coming, large women and men and women bustle past. Bent on carrying out their various duties, as you follow Azalea through a labyrinth of passages, your every step moving you closer to the grand hall. And you anticipated audience with Tilana Brailwood, as, as you leave her gallery of stone and wood sculptures and pass into a wide hall, now flanked on either side by an eight arches and elegant standard draped balconies. You suddenly recall that you're drawing nearest to the Grand Hall, the chamber in which the Steward of Hog- Fogborough holds her court. As you reach the end of the passage, your wife at set of tall, oaken doors so you recall from your last visit. Above the doors hangs an untarnished bronze plaque, engraved with a fancifully scripted bead. Leila moves up to the doors, but before she can lay her hands on them, they're thrown open, revealing the grand hall of Castle Bearwood. A vast, lavish, brightly lit chamber, filled with what must easily be a hundred people, the din of voices from within the hall spills out into the passage. Swiftly and unexpectedly, the roar of voices fades to silence and the throng within the halls begins to disperse, filling, filing quietly past you and Azela as they leave the chamber. You are indeed a revered guest, says Azela turning to you and nodding. She motions for you to step into the Grand Hall. You comply with, the unspo- you ply with the unspoken directive, and she follows closely at your heels. The Grand Hall of Castle Beowulf is a womb that might easily put to serve the audience chambers of many a sovereign to shame. The arched stone ceiling of the cavernous space passes over a room surrounded by the lifelike statues of dozens of stewards of the Balewood line. Wait, there's been dozens of them? The men and women who have reigned over here. Here, over the many centuries since the fortress was built... The northern end of the chamber, fashioned out of a portion of the trunk of an ancient living oak, the rises out of an opening in the floor, is an ornate throne-like chair, standing before the throne, garbled in a queen and white robe, with long, dark, wispy locks spilling from her head, framing her full youthful and strikingly beautiful countenance before splashing down over her thin shoulders, is a woman you've never seen before, but immediately recognized to be of Brailwood, the heir to the flame, the end of the Balewood line, and the waning steward of Fogborough smiles warmly and bows deeply as you approach the throne. A grand chair occupied by her legendary ancestors and briefly by me. But apparently that really didn't do anything. Ayla steps back, bows before Tolenia, and swiftly exit the chamber, closing the doors behind her. Not certain of the correct protocol, you bow respectfully. As you return to your full height, following a gesture, you find that Tolenia has descended from the dais, through, through, through which her living throne passes. She smiles and laughs. This. All of this, she says, her voice unusually soft, as she waves her hand around the chamber, it is, I'm afraid, a bit more formal than I'm accustomed to. You'll forgive me if I seem a bit uncomfortable with it all. I confess it's all been a bit overwhelming. You honour me with your visit, Sir Crokington. I've looked forward to our meeting ever since I took residence here. A a soft but assured voice floats through the chamber, you feel as if your own instinctive wariness is swiftly melting away. You, struggle, you silently struggle against an eerie and growing sense of tranquillity, seemingly bent on supplanting your natural caution. Picking a number! Bonus of 40. 20 from mind, 20 from spirit. Gotta get 75 or more! Or I'll become too relaxed. Pick now. 116. It's a success. 16 XP to general. You managed to stave off. A growing sense of tranquility. Now who want one of those? Not in Fogbra. The strange and unsettling feeling slowly fades. Alright. Turn asks ask you to follow her as she leads you to the north side of the Grand Hall, where a large, round stone disk rests on the sturdy wooden table. You immediately note that the seven distinct symbols have been etched around the edge of the thick, heavy disk. you study the symbols engraved on the disk. A winding wither, might. A leaping stag, agility. A stalwart oak, body. A solemn owl, mind closed eye, or uh, a single flame, spirit, and a pine cone for luck. Suddenly, three of the symbols melt away, leaving only four symbols. The symbols that melted away were the symbols for mind, or and spirit, because those are already at level 20. Base. Touch one of the symbols, Sir Crokington, she says. You won't regret it. Now, I can refuse to touch the symbols, but actually what does happen if you do that? Yeah, if most cases when you cho- when you don't choose one of the symbols, you gain nothing. But if all of your stats were a 20, presumably because you spent absolutely hours rolling and re-rolling your character... Then you'd get a little bit of all skills and powers experience. But probably not really worth. It's only 256. So probably less than you'd get just doing random grinding in the time that you were rolling. But anyhow. Yes. Anyhow, now I'm going to unequip everything. So I can see my base stats. Uh, I'm equipping my hands and feet and arms. And legs. And neck. And wrist. And all my wings. The oakenstone Stone Belt. The Coke of the Wanderer windows Crimson Tabard. We're getting Pageant Pendant. The Holly Pendant. Okay. This might be a little awkward. I've stripped. Well, probably not naked. I'm probably wearing incredibly tasteful underclothes. They just don't provide any stats. Okay. Now, my stats are... are 12 agility, 10 Body, 11 Might... 11, luck. Hmm. 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 Hmm, hmm, Now, you know what? Luck. Hmm. But luck was maximised. Hmm. Body's the lowest. You know what? I'll take body. What Oak. All right. Currently, to, to learn a... Let me just check some things. Alright, I'm going to take body. Alright, Star Wars Oak body. Now, let me just see. This will affect, since it's changing my base stats, it will change the experience I need to level things up. Probably. Star Wars Oak body. The moment your fingers brush against the stone disc that symbols around its edges, including the one you just touched, melt away, an exhilarating sensation courses through you. Your body has been per- your body stat has been permanently increased by five. Also, far less importantly, 256 experience a general. As the sensation fades, entirely returns to the center of the hall. And offers you a seat next to her own grand chair. Alright. Has the weaponry? Hmm. Doesn't look like it. But it might just be because I have to equip some things. Alright. Right. Hmm, doesn't seem to have lowered the requirements, but maybe it lowered the requirements for some other things. Or oh, maybe I just refresh the page. Hmm. Didn't seem to lower it. I guess I guess the average just didn't change. Yeah, well, it would help some things. Your body has been permanently increased, crystal- and. As the sensation fades, Siana returns to the centre of the hall and offers you a seat next to her own grand chair. Seated next to Dara at the side of her throne, you provide her, at her request, with a detailed account of your mission to light the Castle Beewood. She's particularly interested in your battle with the wraith and your sucrecent encounter with Umdrell Baywood. You clearly recall your encounter with Umdrell, as you relate the event to Tarlania, without a sound. The mistway's fearsome form slowly dissipates, melding into the sea of fog that now swiftly receding along the corridor. You step back and place one hand against the passage wall as you struggle to catch your breath in the wake of the brutal melee. It is that moment that you realise you are not yet alone, lying in the middle of the corridor, several yards to the east, Almost invisible beneath the thin veil of lingering mist that swirls along the floor is the unmoving body of a young man. You rush over to the body and are taken aback to find yourself staring down the wide, dark eyes of a gaunt but living face. The young man manages a faint smile and tries to speak, but a violent violent fit of coughing suddenly robs him of his voice. You continue to recall your encounter with Umdu, as you continue to relate the event to Tarlinia. That which brought my line to ruin is gone, he says, his voice regaining some of his strength. For he senses he is near to death, my father, Umborek, chose to fight the creature, and it proved his ruin. In a moment of confusion and cowardice I fed, I fled. "'sealing the face of those I left behind "'and shattering a thousand-year-old legacy of honour. "'But I returned. "'It must be known that I returned.' "'You immediately realise the young man lying before you "'is Umduel Bailwood, son of Um, Umboek, "'and the last recorded steward of his family's legendary line. "'Despite his gaunt, ghostly appearance,' The two hundred years that have come and gone. And the two hundred years that have come and gone since the fateful events he described, Omduro seems not to have suffered the effects of the passage of time. With with a weakening voice, Um-dur-ol told Toji who returned to the castle nearly a year after he fled, with a company of men, eager to reclaim the ancestral fortress from the evil that infested it you learn that all 15 of the men in this expedition were slain before they could enter the castle. But then he ventured inside alone, seeking to confront the malevolent spirit that had slain his father. The creature was more powerful than I possibly have imagined, he says. It was a demon of fog and mist, the embodiment of the forest-creeping curse. A cruel act of revenge set upon our line, but the evil which we had, for centuries, sought to turn back. I only wish it had killed me. Umbral tells you that the mistwave consumed him, feeding off his magical powers, draining his will, and unnaturally prolonging his life. Can now follow like my father, like him, my son, and my great forefathers into sleep. He says. Thank you dear friend. You offer to open to his feet but he slowly shakes his head. My time is at last at end he said his voice weakening. But there's something I must first ask of you. You clear you clearly recall the encounter with Ondwell as you continue to relate the event to Lania. Ondwell produces a piece of ragged yellow paper hands it to you. You take the paper and are surprised to find it bears no whitings or markings of any kind. A faint glow emanates from the paper. You must see that it finds its way into the hands of a bell of the Bearwood who will next seek to inhabit this place, he says. If indeed the line has survived, I know nothing of the world beyond the walls of the castle since the, that fateful day so long ago. But I had a son. So there remains a chance that all has not have been lost or forgotten. Now, hmm. Don't know where the mother of this son is in all of this, but yeah, that, that's just a thing that happens in fantasy. Only one spouse at a time ever counts. You hopefully tell Omdwell about Orlinia and the planned installment of Tolernia as the next as the next steward of Fogbra. He closes his eyes and manages to smile. And, and 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 so at last, alone and in silence, he witnessed the passing of Umdra bailwood Oh they Oh they, they skipped out the whole confusion about you being a Bellwood thing. Because that's not important. It's the passing of Umdul Bellwood. When he concludes, Chilana closes her eyes and nods. Thank you, Sir Crokington, she says in a soft voice, as her dark eyes reopen and focus on you. Thank you for telling me that. And thank, thank you for all you've already done. Thank you. You speak at length with and quickly learn that she is keen to count you among her allies as she goes forward with her ambitious plan to reclaim Fogba for the curse that long ago took hold of it. Mistake my ancestors made time and again were to shut out the world beyond the wood, she says. For generations they laid, they waged a lonely battle against the forest and its evils, often refusing help. I'm proud of my heritage, Sir Girl but I will not follow such fury. Much of the evil that now stalks this wood comes from outside its borders. So we will need the help of others if we succeed at calming the forest, as opposed to simply containing it. Chilanya tells you she's familiar with Koratol and her army of Otwok. The sorceress who has taken refuge in the wood is perhaps the greatest and the most immediate danger we will face. As we work to reclaim the forest, she says, I cannot allow Fogbro to become a haven for her ilk. Guess for your hope in this endeavour, Sir Crokington. I know that I can trust you. You told Talana that she can count on your help, and you pledged to support her efforts in any way you can as she works to purge the forest of the curse that has long poisoned it. She smiles, and for an instant you see what appears to be a look of relief pass over her face. It's difficult for me to ask you, she says. You've already done so much. But there is, I believe, so much more we might hope to accomplish together. Thank you, Sir Crokington. Now, if you don't mind, I've, had, I've taken the liberty of having a small feast prepared. A little something to celebrate such an honoured guest. Oh, look, they've already got, got good cooks in. <laughs> the small feast proves to be an extraordinary affair. Infer- involving near the entire court of Castle Balewood crowded into the Grand Hall. You know, apart from, of course, a few people you know have to keep watch. Because, I mean, there is magic in Castle Balewood, but he can't do everything. As the guest of honour, you sit next to Tulania at the head of the main table. Directly across from you sits Izela, the master of the watch, says little during the feast, Though you sense she is preoccupied. Now and again you catch sight her, catch sight of her scanning the faces of those who move in and about the hall. During the course of her conversation with the young steward, you ask of her grandfather, as you've neither seen nor heard any mention of Lurnia since arriving in the castle. Sylvia tells you that Lurnia has taken ill a little over a month ago, and that he has travelled to the eastern port of the kingdom eastern portion of the kingdom, seeking to be treated for the malady by a renowned healer. Well, it's been more than a month. I pray that he will be made well and he we returns to us in health. And with haste, she says, he's been my mentor, my protector, for so long. You can't know how lost I felt without his gentle, patient guidance. He's a dear man, the only family I have left at the conclusion of the feast you bid farewell to Telenia and again pledge to help her in any way you can as she begins her reign as the steward of Rockwa as you pass over the drawbridge and near the edge of the surrounding wood you alerted to the sound of footfalls behind you turn to find Azela moving swiftly along the bridge towards you I wanted to speak with you in the hall, she says, stepping off the bridge. But I don't like talking in crowded places. Never had. I wanted to thank you for paying Our Lady a visit. Your presence here has done much to lift her spirits, particularly in the absence of her grandfather. Zara tells you she's glad to know you've pledged your help to Tulanya. I've known her only a short while, she says. Yet somehow... I feel as if I've already, always known her. She is certainly an extraordinary soul, and I would, without hesitation, forfeit my life in her service. I was a mercy not so long ago, and, well, now I seem to be rambling. I just wanted to let you know that I would be proud to serve my lady with you, Sir Crokington, in any capacity. Oof wouldn't it be nice if we could have co-op adventure with her yeah just something fun something would be nice to do possibly using similar similar mechanics to those in the tunnels of Pell adventure but you know I don't screw it up and have her die because I don't think she yeah I'm, I'm sure sure things could be rewritten but still Nah, nah. Yeah, we'll be good. And I won't let her die there. You meet Azalea on a cross and bid her farewell. The commander of the castle watch turns and makes her way back across the bridge to the outer bailey of the imposing fortress. When she's gone, you turn and head off into the fog-shrouded wilderness. Right, what happens to visit again? You it there. Photo of the castle's drawbridge by Azela, the master of the, fo- the watch. Once meets you, master of the watch, reaching his shoulder cross, leads you into the fortress. When he's died, you escort you to the grand Hall, where only was most surprised and pleased to receive you. Jela was particularly interested in the learning of your latest adventures, particularly those that occur within the boundaries of the forest. Politely take your leave of Tillania. At length, you bid Tillania farewell. And again, she tells you, you will always be welcomed as an honoured guest when you visit the castle. You bow politely before the waning steward of Fogba, before making your way out of the wooden fortress. Okay, has anything new been unlocked? No, no. I'm going to check the wiki, see what I should do next. Okay, I've checked some things. And the thing I should do next is, well, if you look at the scenario list, there's something going on in the city of Tarn. Which is just a place that we should go, apparently. Okay, so, well, we've already been there once. So, I'll go there and just focus on the bit that advances this story. But that will be for the next episode. And until then, Sir Croakington will be resting in Ashlire and for and for you farewell, fellow adventurers.